we are beginning a new series of messages uh, today entitled Redigging the Wells of Divine Healing. Redigging the Wells of Divine Healing. And the thought there being is that in the Old Testament they had wells. In fact, the Bible tells us that Abraham dug wells for himself and for his family and for his livestock and his servants and everything. And, you know, Abraham moved on and Isaac came along. And the Bible tells us that some of the enemies came along and, and closed in the wells again and contaminated them and filled them up again. So Isaac came along and he redug the wells that Abraham had dug and there were some contentions over it. Uh, and so anyway, there's a whole concept, the whole story there. Uh, and uh, so that's basically the, the, the concept that we're bringing into the title of our message here, that we are redigging the wells of divine healing. As a church, we have been uh, in existence uh, for 30 years. This year is our 30th anniversary uh, where we planted the church back in January of 1989. And all year long, we want to have some sort of a level of celebration to see what God and to celebrate what God has done over those 30 years. And a bit later on in the month of uh, October, I believe, we've got a whole weekend going on where we really want to do a, a big splash and a big celebration. But for now, let me, t let me say this, that divine healing and messages around that whole area have been signature messages that we ministered early on uh, when our church was first planted. And, you know, back then, divine healing was uh, a bit of a bigger deal than what it is today. You know, today it's more broadly accepted across the board. But back then, there was still plenty of opposition. You know, the enemy tried to, as it were, contaminate that well, but we dug it anyway. And uh, over many, many years now, we've drawn the healing waters out of that well that God has available for every single one of us. And so, for some of you, this is like a reminder of understandings that you already have. For others of you, this may be new teaching. Uh, we've always... Uh, We've always practiced divine healing. We've always, uh, uh, you know, believed and practiced the laying on of hands or anointing with oil and so forth. And, uh, and, uh, and but I want to just stop. And it's been a while that we have specifically ministered uh, messages around the subject of healing. So we're starting one today and we'll keep going for some weeks. Um, the whole point being is that uh, we are uh, stirring up fresh faith concerning our covenant blessing of divine healing. And that's what it is. It is a covenant blessing that is available to you and to me. And so for that, I want to start in the book of Exodus chapter 15. Exodus 15, verse 22, uh, onwards through to verse 26. It says, So Moses brought Israel from the Red Sea, then they went into the wilderness of Shur, and they went three days into the wilderness and found no water. So when they came to Marah, they could not drink the waters of Marah, for they were bitter. Therefore, the name of it is called Marah. And of course, Marah means bitter. And the people complained against Moses, saying, What shall we drink? So he cried to the Lord, and the Lord showed him a tree. Everybody say, a tree. All right, the Lord showed him a tree, one tree. Um, and uh, he cast it into the waters, and the waters were made sweet. 
Then he made a statutes and an ordinance for them, and there he tested them, and he said, If you diligently heed the voice of the Lord your God, and do what is right in his sight, and give ear to his commandments, and keep all his statutes, I will put none of the diseases on you which I have brought on the Egyptians, for I am the Lord who heals you. I am the Lord who heals you. So here we have a passage of Scripture that firmly establishes, uh, and I guess that's a, that's a given and an understood, the need for healing, but it establishes that God is our healer. Here is Moses. He's leading the people out of Egypt, out of the house of bondage, uh, on into the promised land. They're walking into the wilderness. They wander around for some time, uh, come to this place after some three days, uh, not having found any water. Um, and I suppose their own water supplies would have been exhausted by now. The livestock would have been very thirsty by now. So they come to these wells. They come to this, I suppose, this bond uh, ponds, um, and they tested the water and found it to be bitter water. Um, and, uh, and rather than saying, let's pray about this situation, what do they do? They start complaining. All right, so friends, let's, uh, let's let that be a lesson right there, that if we strike some situation, rather than complaining about it, let's pray about it. So anyway, so the people complained, and they said to Moses, what shall we drink? Uh, this water is bitter. Now, let me just describe that bitterness of what, uh, uh, what this is talking about. The bitterness of this water here, the waters of Moriah has been thought to have been caused by a, uh, uh, an element called uh, uh, potassium nitrate. Um, it's also known as saltpeter. Um, some of you know it, and others of you have got no idea what this is all about. And, uh, but the, the understanding is this, that when you put this stuff into water, it's like a salt, uh, uh, but it's not like table salt, uh, it's not sodium, it's, uh, it's potassium. And uh, they say if you, it's like crystals. You put that into water and dissolve it. The water will taste very sharp, very bitter, and very unpleasant. It makes the water undrinkable. All right. Now, when it says the water made bitter or it was bitter, that's what it means. It's bitter water. Actually, it's also poisoned water. Um, and when the Bible says that the waters were made sweet, uh, this is not in any way to be confused with the way that we understand sweet. Uh, it wasn't in any way sugar or anything. It just made fresh. It was made drinkable. So you got poisoned water made drinkable. It's a little bit like if you consider seawater, which really is undrinkable. It's too salty. It's too strong. Uh, and for that matter, it's not good for you. Uh, when suddenly this water is made fresh, it is now made drinkable. Now, when... Moses is faced with this situation. The people are complaining. There's a reasonable pressure on the leader to come up, come up with the answer here. And so what does he do? He cries out to God and says, God, what shall we drink? You know, the people are complaining. And uh, the Bible says that God showed him a tree. Um, and uh, that tree um, was cast into the bit of waters and it healed the water. Now, I was reading up on some of the Bible commentators to see what they have to say about this situation. And uh, some of them are trying to give some natural explanation about uh, there must have been some plant, 
some tree in that region, and we are now talking, uh, I suppose, uh, we're talking uh, east of Egypt uh, over into the wilderness en route up to, to, you know, to Israel and so forth. There must have been some tree there. If you put that into the water, it causes some chemical reaction and everything is perfectly okay. Let me suggest to you that this tree is, has nothing to do with any natural remedy whatsoever. God showed him one tree, a single tree. And the Bible says the waters, plural, the waters were healed. All right. And uh, they have identified a number of uh, places in that region that uh, could have been the possible site of this uh, situation going on there. And there are different uh, Wells springing up in a particular area that he got different pools of water. But there's one tree that was cast into the waters and it sweetened the water. It made the water drinkable and it healed the water. Now, I know I'm taking some time uh, to explain all of this, but this is the starting point uh, for our series of messages, and I want to lay a very solid foundation on which we will build in future messages. But let me read to you uh, 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 from Galatians chapter 3, verse 13. It says, Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. By the way, sickness is part of the curse. Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law, having become a curse for us. For it is written, Cursed is everyone who hangs on the tree. Now, we refer to Christ having died on the cross, but the cross was actually a tree. Uh, all right? It's obviously, you know, nowadays we got this particular shape uh, of a cross, which is, you know, your, your traditional cross shape. But, you know, many times they hung these people on trees. Uh, and if they cut the tree down and shaped it into a, a cross, more often than not, it was more like a T-shape rather than a, a cross shape as we understand it today. But it doesn't matter. Let me submit this thought to you. That this single tree, uh, or through this single tree, the supernatural power of God was released to heal the waters. And this tree that was cast into the waters there, represents the cross of Calvary on which Jesus bled and died. And this is the same cross, the same tree, to which Jesus carried all of our sicknesses, all of our diseases, and of course all of our sins, and died on the cross and paid for our redemption. One tree, and... It's not a natural remedy. And by the way, we, when we're talking about divine healing, we're not talking about healing through uh, medical science today. We're not talking about sort of some natural remedy. We're talking about divine healing whereby the power of God, sickness is driven, driven out and healing is established. And of course, this is what's indicated here uh, but then God moves on to talk about the fact that he is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer. And God revealed himself as the healer of the people. Um, and in fact, uh, <laughs> it, let me read to you from uh, Matthew chapter 8, verse 16, just to substantiate everything that we're saying with Scripture. 
It says the, here that in, in the life and ministry of Jesus, it says that evening many demon-possessed people uh, were brought to Jesus, and he cast out the spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Uh, this fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah, saying that he took our sicknesses and he removed our diseases. He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. One translation says, he bore our diseases. And the question right there that could be asked, why did he bear our diseases and our sicknesses? And the answer is this, so that you and I don't have to bear them anymore. We don't have to put up with them anymore. Healing is available to you and to me because of what Christ has done on the cross, to which he carried all sicknesses, all diseases, and of course our sins uh, and furthermore, it uh, would be worth mentioning that Jesus also carried our poverty. This is just, uh, we have, we're not speaking about that, but I just want to include that in there because, you see, salvation is a whole package. It doesn't just include going to heaven. It's a whole package that God is available to you and to me, that we can live a long life on this earth, uh, free from sickness and disease. And if sickness and disease is there, healing is available. And we can live a prosperous life. And at the end of a long life, when we are satisfied, we can go to heaven. All right? So again, I say, um, supernatural healing from all sicknesses and all diseases. Everybody say all sicknesses and all diseases. All right, not just some, but from all. It is available to us today because of Christ's redemptive work on the cross. God still says today, I am the Lord who heals you. And here's a very important aspect of it. And it speaks about the nowness of God. God never said, I was. He always said, I am. And you know, religion tries to put things off into the past and to indicate that God was. And if that doesn't work, it tries to put it off into the future and say, God will be. But God didn't say I was. God doesn't say I will be. God says I am. And it speaks about the nowness of God. And you know what? God has never revoked that name, never revoked that function. He has never ceased to be Jehovah Rapha. He's still Jehovah Rapha, the Lord, our healer today. Amen. Now let that settle in your spirit. And... Uh, let that cause your faith to rise to a new level today, my friend, because healing is available to you and to me today. I was listening. I might mention of that some months ago. I was listening to Pastor Tom Ingalls uh, on one of his messages online, and he spoke about, he just briefly, as part of the message, he spoke about the, the nowness of God, and that's what I call it. Uh, and then sometimes people say, you know, God needs time for this and that and the other. But he made the point. He says, look, God doesn't need any time. Sometimes people need time to catch up with the truth, but God doesn't need any time. God is not even restricted to time. God's able to reach forth right now. And we're able to lay a hold of it right now. I mean, like right now. So please don't put God off into the past. Don't put him off into the future. God is the God of the now. God says, I am, present tense, I am the Lord 
your healer. Psalm 103, verse 1. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all his benefits. Now, circle the word benefits there. Because in God, in our relationship with God, we got a lot of benefits. Now, we got some responsibilities, of course, but there are a lot of benefits. All right? And uh, what are those benefits? Well, among them, it's listed right there in verse 3. He says, He forgives all your iniquities. Iniquities is just another word for sin. For our wrongdoings, he forgives all your iniquities and he heals all your diseases. Circle the word all. He heals all your diseases. Sometimes in our human thinking, sometimes people say, you know, uh, you know I really believe God, that God's, you know, uh, able to, you know, heal a, you know, a headache or a backache or something. But, you know, but what about that dreaded disease called cancer? What about that dreaded disease of, you know, leukemia or what, some of these sort of really, really, really bad sicknesses? Uh, and, and what about that? What, it says he heals all your diseases. We tend to stack in our thinking um, sickness from like the, the real easy ones to the harder ones, we tend to stack them up. But God doesn't do that. God lays them sideways and they're all sickness and diseases that Jesus Christ has already carried. And to God, it, it is as nothing when God reaches forth and the power of God and virtue flows to drive out every sickness, every disease. The difficulty grades is a human invention. God does not think like that. All right, God does not in any way think like that. And sometimes I remember we had a, a very famous uh, pastor um, from the U.S. and his wife contracted cancer. In fact, uh, Pastor Vanessa and I have gleaned extensively from their ministry over the years. Uh, uh, you know, a number of years ago now, we had an opportunity to visit the church there. Uh, and, uh, and, and it was just a fantastic work. And anyway, the pastor's wife contracted uh, cancer. And I still remember uh, the prayer was made. And uh, obviously, they believe God. But somehow, uh, it seems that uh, things didn't quite... Um, come through in the, in, in, the, in the sense of receiving their healing by divine healing, what we call just purely and exclusively by the power of God. So the lady decided that she wanted to get some medical help, which is valid, and there's never any condemnation if that's what's needed. Uh, and, 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 uh, but, you know, when that's needed, God doesn't need it, but sometimes people with, with the mentality or lack of a full understanding or lack of full confidence. Uh, uh, and so anyway, the announcement was made that God had healed uh, this dear lady and then it was added on the, with the help of medical profession. Now, let me emphatically state to you that there is never any condemnation for anybody that needs to go by the way of the medical profession, but God doesn't need that. All right. God doesn't need that. And what's interesting is uh, uh, Smith Wigglesworth made a comment many years ago when he was operating 30, 40, 50, 60 years ago. And he said that he could see the day coming 
when it will be more difficult to get people healed uh, because of that whole thing of downplaying the power of God and upplaying the power of science. And praise God for the sciences. You know, praise God for the medical profession and everything that they're able to do today. But it is, after all, still very, very limited. All right. Still very limited. It's wonderful to hear that advances are made here and advances are made there and what's possible. But sometimes that all is still a little bit hit and miss and it is very limited. But God is completely unlimited. All right. The power of God is completely unlimited. Um, Interesting that the Bible says that the children of Israel in the book of Psalms, it tells us that they limited the Holy One of Israel. How can you get somebody that's unlimited to limit God? And God is limited by our uh, thinking. God is limited by our uh, lack of understanding, lack of faith to a certain level and so forth. And, uh, and yet uh, the Bible tells us that according to your faith and according to my faith shall it be done unto us. So part of the reason of ministering these messages is to raise our faith level uh, and to stir up fresh faith in the area of divine healing. But not just divine healing for you and for me, but divine healing all around so that we can actually practice divine healing. Lay hands on the sick and see them recover at a greater rate because I can see that the need for healing is only get greater and greater. I was just amazed. I was amazed when I was in the U.S., uh, a few months ago, and the sickness that's around, and people that I have known, uh, that I've met in earlier years, uh, suddenly they were missed, and I said, where's so-and-so? Oh, so-and-so died. I says, what? Barely 50 years old. Oh, yeah, they died. And what about so-and-so? Oh, his cancer can't be here. And I just could not believe that even amongst faith folk, there's a level of sickness that's like, it's like, to use a natural, it's like almost scary. Uh, and yet God has divine healing for every single one of us. So God heals all of your diseases. He redeems your life from destruction and crowns you with loving kindness and with tender mercies. Friend, there is not any sickness or disease afflicting a person that is too difficult for God to heal. There's no such thing. Bible says, you know, Jesus says, with man this is impossible, but with God all things are possible because God is unlimited. God is not fettered. God is not bound. Um, God is above all. All right? And uh, concerning healing, the challenge doesn't lie with God who does the healing but the challenge lies with you and me to muster up and to lay a hold of faith and to believe. All right? Um, and uh, so with that, I want to swing into Matthew chapter 8, verse 1 and 2 and 3. And I'll read to you the first detailed account in the whole of the New Testament where Jesus is ministering healing to an individual. Now, healing was mentioned earlier on in the chapter, chapter 4 of, of Matthew's gospel and so forth. But this is the first detailed account. And it says that large crowds followed Jesus as he came down the mountainside. And suddenly, a man with leprosy approached him and knelt before him. Lord, the man said, 
if you are willing, you can make me, you can heal me and make me clean. And Jesus reached out, reached out and touched him. Uh, I am willing, he said, be healed. And instantly the leprosy disappeared. Now, some of you that have gone through our spiritual growth track, specifically School of the Word 1, you will remember that, uh, as I mentioned earlier on, that this is the first detailed account in the whole of the New Testament, but, but specifically in the four Gospels, where Jesus is ministering healing to an individual. As I said earlier on, there, it's been indicated that he went around, you know, teaching, preaching, and healing... So people got healed before, but this is now the first detailed account. And chronologically, uh, in the way that the Bible is written, it's like God wanted to make a statement right there. The beginning of the Gospels, beginning of the New Testament. And by the way, healing was available in the Old Testament. Well and truly established. We just so far read Old Testament scriptures, mostly from Exodus, from the book of Psalms, and we could carry on. But the tragedy was that the people who were supposed to teach uh, the people who were basically the priests and, and these people were supposed to teach the people how to receive their healing, uh, they minimized on that and laid heavy burdens of rules and regulations on people rather than to preach about the goodness of God and teach people how to have a relationship with God uh, and to receive their healing. So this is, this is the first detailed account uh, where... Um, Jesus is ministering healing to an individual. And right there, Jesus set the record straight. He said, God is not only able, but is willing to heal all who come to him in faith. You know, leprosy was considered or could be considered the cancer of the day. The cancer of that era. It was incurable. It was about the most dreaded disease that anybody could contract at that time. And uh, it was so disruptive to individuals' lives that as soon as there was the faintest sign of leprosy on their life, they had to go out of the camp and they had to live outside the camp. And that's where we get this whole thing of, of lepers' colonies. Uh, live outside. We're not allowed to come back in again uh, unless there was a, a, a sort of sudden shift or change and until such time that they were clean from that disease. But by and large, it was an incurable disease. Um, and of course, Jesus healed a number of people that had leprosy because it was, it was a disease that was very prevalent in those days. The worst kind of disease that you could imagine. And here's what's amazing. This man comes to Jesus. He knows he's got an incurable disease. And he knows that God is able to heal him. But he wasn't quite sure about God's willingness. And friend, if you drill down on it and talk to people across the board, you'll find that this is indicative of what goes on in, 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 in a large sector of the population. For that matter, even like the Christian population, that they absolutely know that God is able to heal. But they're just not that sure if God is willing to heal them today. And Jesus, once and for all, set the record straight. He says, this is it. From here on forward, I want everybody to know that God is not only able, 
but God is willing and he reached forth and he touched this man. And the Bible indicates here that there was just a small shift, but yet a drastic shift in this man's thinking of from God's ability alone to God's ability and God's willingness to heal. And suddenly he received his healing like right there. And his skin was cleansed. It was an immediate healing. It was what we call a miracle. Now, let me point this out, and I don't want to get too detailed too early. But uh, all healing is miraculous. All divine healing is miraculous. But we differentiate between a miracle that takes place in an instant of time, and it's like, it's, it's like from, one, from day to night, uh, from night to day, <laughs> in, in an instant, which is what we call a miracle, and to a healing that begins from the moment that that person has received prayer or has laid a hold of their healing by faith and is outworked in some instances over a period of sometimes hours, a couple of days, a couple of weeks, and in some instances, say a couple of months until everything. You, you imagine, uh, I mean, somebody has been uh, lame in their feet and never walked. To suddenly receive their healing as this, the, the, the lame man did in the, in the book of Acts chapter, is it chapter 3, chapter 4. And next minute he's leaping and walking and praising God. You can't do that. There is no muscles there to support that kind of activity. That was an outright miracle. All right. But a healing will be established where in the first instance sickness is driven out and then things are rebuilt, uh, muscles, tissues and, and, and what have you and, uh, and so forth. And so I think we need to be okay with both. All right. I think we, in fact, I think we should be okay with both because there's another tendency sometimes amongst, amongst folk is where they receive prayer. They're waiting for a feeling. And because there was no immediate feeling evident, they walk away and say it hasn't worked. Uh, but you see, from the moment we, we walk away, our declaration and our confession is, I'm healed by the stripes of Jesus. Prayer has been made. I've received my healing, and uh, healed is what I am. Uh, and, and, of course, we are already getting ahead of ourselves, getting all into the whole area of confession. So this is the first detailed account. Jesus wanted to absolutely get the, rec the record settled. God is not only able, but God is also willing to heal us today. And instantly, the man's leprosy disappeared. Now, because leprosy is a particularly hideous disease, it's a slow killer in the sense that uh, people lose uh, feelings in their extremities, in their fingers, their toes. They touch something, they hurt themselves, they don't realize they've hurt themselves. Uh, and then there's all sorts of uh, things that begin to go wrong. It is a very horrible, a very slow death. And of course, uh, so disruptive because these people were no longer allowed to be with family because it was considered, um, it was considered to be a, 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 a communicable disease. Um, and uh, they thought that people would be affected by, you know, close contact. They sent him outside and not allowed him back in. And the people that ran out to visit were unable to get with them properly either. So it's just a horrible thing. All right. And Jesus in one instant reaches forth and gets this main thinking corrected and healing is established in an instant. So friends, sometimes just one shift in our thinking. One shift from believing from a certain level of believing to the next level of believing. It causes the power of God to flow. We touched earlier on about that whole um, 
poisoned water. And uh, it's interesting, uh, sort of looking around a bit, I specifically remember a discussion with my mother about making certain types of, uh, of foods. Uh, and my mother made a lot of her own food and made her own bacon and made her own salamis and different things. And, you know, that whole area of, uh, of uh, potassium nitrate, or uh, what they call saltpeter, they put some of that into foods because it's a food preservative. Um, and um, it's, it, what it does is the people that eat salamis uh, a lot, there's saltpeter in there, and it gives it that reddish color. Otherwise, meat will turn brown. It gives it that reddish color. And the interesting point is this, that people have too much of that. It makes them sick. That's why these people, when they came out of out of Egypt, wanted to drink the water. Not only was the water unpalatable as far as its taste was concerned, it would have absolutely poisoned them. And the deal is this, that God showed him that tree. And I know I'm backtracking a little bit, but this is important. I just felt prompted by the Lord to go there. God showed him that tree to cast it into the water, and it healed the water. Every single human being is poisoned with sin in their heart, sin in their spirit. But when you embrace the cross and Christ is cast into your spirit, so to speak, it turns the bitter life into a sweet life and all bitterness disappears. Bitterness of sin, bitterness of guilt, bitterness of nastiness and of hatred and of all of these other things. That's why Christians are the sweetest people around. Turn to the person next to you and say, just as well we are. Just, just as well we are. We are the sweetest people around. Okay? Because we've had Christ cast into our spirit. And it turned the bitter water into sweet water. And we are now pouring forth rivers of living water to not only enjoy the sweetness ourselves, but people around us enjoy the sweetness that we have. I thought you'd enjoy that. I thought I would get one arouse. I, I thought I would just get a, applaud uh, over this thought here. Uh, anyway, pray. <laughs> praise God. We're applauding Jesus. I mean, praise God for what he's done in our lives. Hallelujah. So, there we go. Acts chapter 10, verse 38. Here is uh, Peter at Cornelius' house. And uh, preaching the gospel to them, and amongst other things, this is what he said. And he says, you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went about, or went around, doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, for God was with him. Now, we need to establish firmly in our minds that sickness is not from God to punish us or to teach us a lesson. Sickness is an oppression of the devil. What's interesting is that leprosy of the day was considered a punishment from God and there in, 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 as a result of, of direct sin in, in the person's life. You might recall when Jesus um, and his disciples came to a blind man and his disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, he's blind. What do you think? Who sinned? Was it his parents or was it him that he's blind? These things were considered to be punishment uh, for sin, either 
hereditary or otherwise is a direct result. So this man getting healed was not only a, a, uh, a miracle in a physical sense, but for him to lay a hold of healing when he had been told that this is the punishment of God, to suddenly receive the love of God in this way is really a, a miracle all of its own. Just absolutely marvelous. So I, again, I say that sickness is an oppression of the devil. Now, when people believed that it was the result of sin, in, a, in an indirect sense, they are correct because actually sickness didn't come into the earth until sin came into the earth way back in the Garden of Eden. So along with sin, it opened up the, the door to a host of evils, including sickness and including disease. Um, so just be sure that you're not in any way entertaining a thought that, oh, maybe God is just teaching me something here, so that's why I've got this sickness. Or maybe, maybe God's just punishing me a little bit, and maybe I just have to put up to it because I've been a particularly bad person. Friends, the reality is we were all bad people. But until Christ was cast into our heart, it turned the, 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 the bitter spirit filled with with who, with sin and everything else, it turned it into a sweet spirit. From that moment forward, there's no more judgment for you and for me. There's only the love of God. There's only the blessing of God. A friend of mine pastoring a church uh, that I've been to on several occasions, ministered there, ministered there, know the people, many of the people in the church. Uh, um, a friend of mine uh, talked to me about a particular woman uh, in the church that uh, had a... Uh, we might say one knee was damaged, uh, so, and so obviously she walked around with a limp, uh, was not able to bend one knee. Um, and way back uh, when this woman first came into the church and somehow through reaching out she was reached and she got uh, uh, born again, um, filled with the Spirit. And when she had some discussion with the pastor and he spoke to her about, you know, that God is able to heal her. And so suddenly she stopped and she says, she says, she says uh, are you telling me that God can heal this, this knee. And he says, absolutely, God can heal this knee. So they had a bit further discussions, and then she stopped again. She says, are you telling me that this is not the judgment of God on my life? He says, that's exactly what I'm telling you. So, you know, as I say, you know, the light gets turned on in different people in different ways. But this whole thing is connected together. You can't for one minute believe that this is the judgment of God and suddenly that God is playing games to send, to send you know, Jesus along and suddenly like just to get the glory out of it that God is now healing you only to put something on you again a little bit later on. So sickness is an oppression of the devil. I very quickly want to move into uh, Matthew chapter 15 now. I want to spend a bit more time in the New Testament, a couple of uh, passages of Scripture here. And then just a bit later on, uh, I want to open up the front here uh, to pray for people. And if you are in any way uh, afflicted with any kind of uh, uh, sickness, any kind of ailment, any kind of uh, disease, then I would like for you to respond. Uh, if you believe that God is your healer today and come forward, we're going to pray for you. We're going to trust God together. Matthew 15, verse 21, Jesus went out from there and departed to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And behold, a woman of Canaan came uh, from that region and cried out to him, saying, Have mercy on me, O son of David. My daughter is severely demon-possessed. Now, it bears 
mentioning that this woman is a Canaanite. She's not an Israelite. She's a Canaanite. In uh, the Mark account, uh, it is indicated that she's a Syrophoenician woman. She's a local woman there that uh, has no covenant with God because the covenant that God had was specific to the nation of Israel. That's why the Bible speaks of the commonwealth of Israel, the covenants that God had with Israel. Here's a non-covenant woman coming along and she's calling out to Jesus and she calls him son of David. So she obviously had some understanding uh, and she had heard that this man is traveling around, an itinerant prophet who is praying for people and they call him the son of David and, and so forth. And she calls out to him and she says, my daughter is severely demon-possessed. But he answered her, not a word. And his disciples came and urged him, saying, Send her away, for she cries out after us. You know, you can see that those disciples need, still needed a little bit more work done on them. You know, like this guy, like, oh, what a bother. S -s Send her away. And uh, we'll be bothered by this. You know, when people come with genuine needs, let's not be bothered. Let's... Uh, Let's demonstrate and let's minister the love of God to them. But anyway, Jesus answered her not a word. Um, and uh, he answered and he said, I was not sent except to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Now this is specific to the calling that Jesus had in terms of reaching out to Israel. But let's remember that Jesus ministered to many, many Gentiles, to many, many non-Jewish people. It is my firm belief that Jesus held her off a little bit to see what level of faith was in her heart. When people give up on the first obstacle they strike, perhaps there's not as much faith there as what they would purport in the beginning. When we need something from God and we want something and we have faith, we keep going, we don't give up, we don't lose heart. So Jesus ignored her for the time being. His disciples telling him to send her away. He tells them what he was really called to do. Um, sent to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. Uh, then she came and worshipped him saying, Lord, help me. So she wasn't about to give up. Lord, help me. And uh, he answered and said, It is not good to take the children's bread and to throw it to the little dogs. And she said, yes, Lord. Yet even the little dogs eat from the crumbs which fall from their master's table. Then Jesus answered and said to her, O woman, great is your faith. Can I just stop there and make a comment in regards to that statement that Jesus made? He's speaking to a non-covenant woman. He's speaking to a woman that hasn't had the opportunity to be in the synagogue week after week to have the teaching of the word. She just had a need. She heard some things and she had an amazing faith. Interesting too that when Jesus ministered to the centurion who had a servant at home that was lying at the point of death, this again was a man that had no covenant. And Jesus said to this man, a, a non-covenant man, after there was some dialogue that gone, that gone back and forth, back and forth, and he says, wow, he says, I've not found such great faith, no, not in Israel. And what's amazing here is that the greater faith should be amongst the covenant people, but in this instance here, it was among the non-covenant people. It's amazing. It's amazing. 
they somehow locked into they somehow locked into the love of God they locked into a faith that wasn't about to take no for an answer wasn't put off was not going to get offended if you went to, for healing and somebody referred to you as a little dog would you be offended <laughs> I think most of us would probably be, at least be taken back what what did you hear what the preacher said I'm now offended <laughs> and storming off and you know some people you know that little offense puts bitterness into your spirit again when Jesus is already taken out watch those offenses just don't let that offense creep back into your spirit it'll bitter uh, it'll better up your spirit and the Bible speaks about bitterness is that, is that in the book of Hebrews that, uh, that a root of bitterness springing up that by many will be defiled bitterness not only defiles the person who carries the bitterness it also carries people around them because people when bitterness comes out and so forth so there's an amazing situation where Jesus says woman great is your faith let it be to you as you desire. She clearly had a desire for her daughter to be healed, for her daughter to be delivered. And Jesus says, let it be to you as you desire. See, when we have got faith and we see in the word what belongs to us, we can have what we desire. Because ultimately we only desire good things. We only desire what God promised us. We have got healthy desires. I'm not talking that subtly, you know, that there are all sorts of desires will be made. No, <laughs> the Bible tells us that if we delight ourselves in the Lord, He will grant us the desires of our heart. When we start delighting in the Lord and delighting ourselves in the Word, it fills our heart with good desires and other desires dissipate. And it says that her daughter was healed from that very hour. Again, there's a situation going on where there's a dialogue between Jesus and this woman. And in a different location is the woman's daughter lying, uh, tormented by a demon spirit. When this woman locked into the love of God and locked into the, you know, locked on to Jesus and wasn't going to let him go until she had what she desired, in that very instant, Jesus says to her, go your way. The demon has gone from your daughter. So she didn't have to go home and reminister everything that she just received over here. The whole thing happened all at the same time. You see, friends, in the, in the spirit realm, there is, there is no distance, as we say, or certainly no distance to the power of God. There is distance. We know. Uh, like in the spirit, we hear it, and heaven's there. There is a distance between that. But as far as the power of God is concerned, it flies faster than the speed of light. All right. God is not even limited to the speed of light. So Mark chapter 7, verse 29. This is the Mark account of the same story that we have just read. Then Jesus said to her, For this saying, go your way. The demon has gone out of your daughter. For this saying. Woman, you just said something. Woman, you made a faith confession that not only impressed me, but it caused the power of God to flow. And by the way, the demon's gone from your daughter. So a couple of points, and then we'll open up the altar area, and then we will pray for people. Jesus called healing the children's bread. 
This is not like some random, oh, Jesus like struggling, oh, what example shall we use here so we can help you understand? No, he called healing and deliverance the children's prayed. In God's mind, healing is not a luxury item reserved only for extra special people. All right. We need to establish that firmly in our mind. That you and I, we qualify for healing. We don't have to become extra special people because in God's mind, <laughs> healing is the children's prayer if we're children. In fact, God demonstrated that he even gave it to people that were not considered his covenant children and he still gave them healing as is demonstrated in this instance. You see, to God, healing for his children is as basic as bread. You see, God freely and easily distributes it if his children come to him in faith. The Canaanite woman, this is amazing, the Canaanite woman believed that even the crumbs of God's healing power falling from his table were sufficient to heal and deliver her daughter. Even the crumbs. Because that's what she's, she's dialoguing with Jesus. And again, sometimes they think, oh gosh, you know, we need to pray for this person. You know, we think they got a bit of a bit of a demonic problem, but then we see somebody else, you know, manifesting, like manifesting, not a demon, but demons. We think, oh, we need more of the power of God. No, no, even the crumbs of God's healing power and delivering power will establish uh, complete liberty and healing in the life of a person. Jesus, when she called that back to Jesus when Jesus used that uh, example of bread. It's like taking the children's bread and throwing it to the, to the dogs. Uh, it's, it's not right. He uh, said, yeah, but true Lord. But, but, but even the crumbs that fall from the master's table, uh, the little dogs partake of that. And Jesus, amazingly, he said, oh, woman, he says, great is your faith. You think about that. Great is your faith. She wasn't, number one, going to give up. Number two, she picked up on like, uh, wasn't going to get offended. Number three, she was just uh, not taking no for an answer. See, faith knows that God doesn't say no. When we say faith doesn't take no for an answer, faith knows that God doesn't say no. I believe, firmly believe that Jesus simply wanted to establish how much faith was really in the woman's heart. And she firmly demonstrated that she had great faith. And uh, he said to her, for this saying... Go your way, the demon has gone out of your daughter. You see, her persistent faith in God's ability and in God's willingness to heal and her strong confession. Everybody say strong confession. You see, faith speaks and she spoke a strong faith. Sometimes people get prayed for and they have a passiveness about them that is not helpful in the area of getting them healed. Faith speaks. Faith says, healing is mine. It is my covenant right. We're not getting brash in God's presence, but the Bible does say that we come boldly before the throne of grace. And it's the Word of God and the revelation that we receive from it makes us bold in the presence of God. To lay a hold of, uh, as it says there, to find grace to help in time of need. So her persistent faith and her strong confession obtained healing and deliverance for her daughter. I'd like to invite the worship team to come. 
and uh, let's just, uh, you know, perhaps uh, worship God with a song. And as we do that, friend, let me say that if you need healing today, won't you come and sit at God's table and partake of as much healing, as much healing bread as what you need. And let's you and I, as the children of God, let us develop a faith for the loaves of God's healing rather than just the crumbs of God's healing. You know, sometimes we say that when somebody is being ministered to uh, for the power of God for healing, sometimes we say there's an overflow and absolutely there is. But let's all lay a hold of that which we need this morning. So if you need healing, why don't you get down the front? We're going to pray for you. We're going to lay hands on you. We're going to trust God together that uh, we're receiving something today with a bold faith. God's not saying no. God's not sending us away. God wants you healed today. Praise God. Thanks, guys. Let's uh, worship God with a song. And again, if you need healing, come quickly. Come quickly.